Welcome to the Possibility of Today radio show. This weekly series mixes entertainment with inspiration and information to help you learn how to live in a different way and take advantage of all the possibilities of today. Do you want to find the way to your something more and live life to the fullest? Then you're in the right place. Host Sybil Shavis will guide you through an exciting journey of self-discovery and transformation so you can be entertained, be inspired, and be informed. Now here's Sybil. Hey, let me ask you a question. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? And I'm sure you've probably heard of both these terms. People who are introverts tend to feel that they're at their best when they're in quiet environments and alone and, you know, just can have some solitude. Whereas extroverts like stimulation and they enjoy and thrive when they're around other people. Extroverts actually tend to gain their energy in social situations And on the other hand, introverts typically recharge through solitude. And a lot of times they can feel drained, actually, if there's just too much stimulation. Listen to how Susan Cain explains it. Susan Cain is a writer, lecturer, and the author of this best-selling book called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World Which Just Can't Stop Talking, which is a great title. Listen to how she defines an introvert versus an extrovert. Introversion is more about how do you respond to stimulation, including social stimulation. So extroverts really crave large amounts of stimulation, whereas introverts feel at their most alive and they're most switched on and they're most capable when they're in quieter, more low-key environments. Okay, so which one would you say that you are? Well, you want to hear something that's interesting? Although we can have a tendency to think and feel that we're either an introvert or an extrovert, we all actually have both of these tendencies, these extrovert and introvert tendencies. And what is even more interesting is that we also have this choice, right? To tap into the strengths of either our extroverted side or our introverted side when the time's right. Because there are definitely certain times, as I'm sure you've noticed, where you do want to be more introverted. And then, of course, there's other times when you want to be more extroverted. And social scientists have actually coined the term ambivert to describe this hybrid personality. Have you heard this term ambivert before? It refers to someone's personality when they do have this perfect blend of an extrovert and an introvert personality type. Listen to how Susan Cain explained it. An ambivert. And that is the word for people who fall, you know, kind of right in the middle of the introvert, extrovert spectrum. Had you heard of this term ambivert before? Because I'd never really heard about it. And I had no idea that there really were people who had these ideal hybrid personality types until I started looking into this whole introvert, extrovert topic. But guess what? According to some recent research by Adam Grant from the University of Pennsylvania, the majority of people actually fall into this category of being an ambivert, meaning that they have this hybrid personality, which is the perfect mix of extroversion and introversion. So chances are that you actually are an ambivert, even if that's not something that you've really ever thought yourself to be. And you want to know why that's a good thing or actually it's a great thing. 
because that means that you have the ideal personality for success and coming up with creative ideas and fostering really good relationships with other people. And even though you may have assumed that you were either an introvert or an extrovert because you felt more comfortable with one side of your personality over the other, it doesn't mean that that other side of your personality is non-existent or not available for you to use and most importantly benefit from. And there are specific things that we can do as we move through the day that will really help us, you know, make little tweaks and changes so that we can tap into all of the benefits of our personality. In fact, Susan Cain explained that Carl Jung, the famous psychologist who did years and years of research on personalities, he found that no one really is exclusively an introvert or an extrovert which of course further suggests, right, that that research that came out of the University of Pennsylvania by Adam Grant was absolutely correct. I mean, we all are ambiverts. We have this ideal hybrid personality that includes both introvert and extrovert tendencies, whether we realize it or not. Listen to how Susan Cain explained it during a speech at Google. And we all fall at different points, of course, along the introvert-extrovert spectrum. You know, even Carl Jung, the psychologist who first popularized these terms, said that there's no such thing as a pure introvert or a pure extrovert. And some people fall smack in the middle of the introvert-extrovert spectrum, and I often think that they have the best of all worlds. And did you hear how she said that ambiverts have the best of both worlds, and also that some people are falling smack dab into the middle of the spectrum and really tapping into both their introvert and extrovert tendencies? Well, that's exactly why we're talking about this topic, because we really can make sure we're falling in the right part of the spectrum in terms of our personality and have big payoffs from being able to do that. You know, really being able to tap into the strengths of each personality type. And as I'm sure you know the benefits of being an extrovert are that extroverts have really strong social skills and relationships and are highly adaptable to all different types of situations. From a social standpoint, they're usually very well liked and that obviously bodes well for many extroverts in terms of their careers and their personal relationships, etc. And introverts, on the other hand, you know, they enjoy their alone time and their solitude And because of that, they generally are able to tap into their best thoughts and creative ideas. And as we're going to get into later, embracing solitude regularly really is a prerequisite for creating the best ideas. But again, here's the deal. Why choose when you can and do have both of these sides to your personality? Like We don't have to choose. Even if we feel that we're one more than the other, it's just about making the necessary tweaks so that we're falling at the right part on the personality spectrum, and then, of course, benefiting from that. And I'm sure it comes as no surprise that the list of famous and successful ambiverts is impressive, right? Like people who have really struck this ideal personality type continually are doing well and well, just to name a few. John Lennon, Celine Dion, Princess Diana, Leonardo DiCaprio, Steven Spielberg, William Shakespeare, and J.K. Rowling all have been said to have this, 
you know, ideal hybrid personality type, or they're falling at a really good point on the personality spectrum. We're going to take a closer look at J.K. Rowling's story because she is absolutely striking that perfect balance and it's paying off big time. This is good information for us because as we were talking about earlier, you really can harmonize these two key aspects of your personality and get really good results. And who wouldn't want to maximize the benefits of their personality, right? I mean, if there's literally small tweaks that we can make and ensure that we are falling at the right place on this personality spectrum so that we can see the advantages play out big time in our own life in terms of success and happiness and accomplishing the things that are important to us, who wouldn't want to do that? The thing is, though, we've got to understand our ability to be able to do it. And then, of course, you know, intentionally and thoughtfully choose to move through the day differently so that we can harmonize these two different sides of our personalities. Listen to how Susan Cain explained it. There are two kind of contradictory um, drives in human nature. And one of these drives is the drive that makes us come together. Um, it's the drive that makes us love each other and need each other and trust each other. And then another of these drives is the drive for solitude and for autonomy and for independence. We need to figure out ways of harnessing both of these drives as productively as we can. And of course, the question is, you know, how do we go about harmonizing these two key aspects of our personality? And the first thing that we want to make sure we're doing every day is taking time to ourselves, you know, to embrace solitude, this ability to create the space so that we can do independent thinking because that's really how we can initially come up with big creative ideas continually like most introverts are able to do. And of course, this doesn't mean that we don't then go back and work with other people to expand and evolve the idea, but it's really important to be able to think alone. And we're going to get into the specific reasons why later, but independent thinking is a cornerstone of success. And the second thing that we've got to make certain that we're doing, on the other hand, is tapping into our extrovert social skills, which means, you know, we do have strong relationships and can genuinely enjoy and engage very well with people around us. And that's really important because, as you may remember, we talked about before this article in Forbes that had this data that showed 85% of people's financial success is essentially tied to their likability, you know, whether or not other people like them. Again, as Susan Cain has said, it's the best of both worlds when we're able to pick and choose which side of ourselves to bring out and to use depending on the situation. Listen to how she explained it. Because, you know, I, I think each of these personality styles has real gifts and you can I think choose more easily uh, which style you want to um, adapt at any given moment. And as we were talking about before, there are people who have been able to express this hybrid personality and are hitting what I call the sweet spot of the spectrum of their personality type because they are tapping into all of the good things about their extrovert side in addition to all of the good things about their introvert side and then, of course, they're getting great results. Listen to how Susan Cain explained it. 
two important studies, by this, one by the psychologist Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi and another by Gregory Feist, have found that the most spectacularly creative people in a number of fields have tended to be introverts. They're not just any introverts. These are introverts who have extroverted sides to them as well. Um, they're people who can go out and they can exchange ideas and they can advance ideas and so on. But they're also people who are comfortable with solitude. Just like Susan Cain was explaining that these people are known for harmonizing their personality, so they are still embracing solitude, but they're also tapping into their extrovert tendencies of being social and really being good at communicating with other people and sharing their ideas. You know, those are two things and key aspects that we're also going to want to do. And even if you've thought of yourself as one type more so than the other, or you just enjoy doing what you've kind of always done, you can choose to consciously do things that allow you to fall at different points on this personality spectrum. I know I just assumed for years, my life, that I was an extrovert and I didn't take the necessary time that I needed to every day to go off alone and create that space and think through things and create ideas. Even though if you would have asked me, I would have said I was doing it. I was definitely not reserving time in my day to actually physically go and make certain I was doing that. But now I'm all about that, you know, and I've really integrated solitude into every single day and my work and my productivity and the positive results that I get from them has just improved dramatically. And I just didn't have an idea that it was something I should have been even paying attention to. And the thing is, if easy, right, for us to get settled into our ways and doing things that make us comfortable and doing what we've kind of always done. But the reality is, is that we do want to do the opposite. Like, so for me as an extrovert, I do need to kind of focus on dialing up those introvert tendencies that I have in my personality. And if you're an introvert, you then want to make sure you're dialing up those extrovert tendencies that you have in your personality that you can really be benefiting from. Listen to how Susan Cain explained the importance of a yin-yang approach in that same speech she gave at TED. But many of us do recognize ourselves as one type or the other. And what I'm saying is that culturally, we need a much better balance. We need, we need more of a yin and yang between these two types. Now, this is especially important when it comes to creativity and to productivity, because when psychologists look at the lives of the most creative people, what they find are people who um, are very good at exchanging ideas and advancing ideas, but who also have a serious streak of introversion in them. And this is because solitude is a crucial ingredient often to creativity. I'll give you some examples. Eleanor Roosevelt, Rosa Parks, Gandhi, all these people describe themselves as quiet and soft-spoken and even shy. And they all took the spotlight, even though every bone in their bodies was telling them not to. And I really thought that was just an interesting example because it shows how you do have to really be thoughtful and intentional about harmonizing these two sides of your personality. And they're not going to necessarily just do it on their own. But you can choose to strike this perfect balance by being very thoughtful how you move through the day and making certain you're reserving time every morning or afternoon to just create and think and come up with your big ideas. And then to also make certain that, you know, you are tapping into your extrovert tendencies and really being more social and 
engaging with people and enjoying the people around you. And all of that, of course, you know, plays into your likability and, of course, your success. Actually, to that point, J.K. Rowling, who we were talking about earlier, has been in the news lately, as you may have heard. And I'm certain you know she's the famous author behind the huge Harry Potter phenomenon. And now she's moving on to presumably her next success. And so she's been in the news a lot recently. Listen to this clip from CNN. Harry Potter is back. I mean, sort of. So here's what was announced today. Actually, it's a really big deal. Warner Brothers is going to release a new film series based on the world of Harry Potter. But it's not going to actually be about Harry himself, but follow the adventures of a guy named Newt Scamander. J.K. Rowling is actually writing the movie script. And you know what? Warner Brothers is distributing her new television show. It's called Casual Vacancy, which is based on one of the two adult books she's written since Harry Potter. So clearly J.K. Rowling is consistently creating success after success. And what I think is really worth taking notice of is that she's absolutely hitting that sweet spot of her personality, the ambivert personality that we've been talking about. And of course, it's helping her come up with big idea after big idea, but she's also really well liked by her fans and the industry. And again, as we've been talking about this whole time, all of that stuff really matters and plays into your success. And I wanted to take a closer look at her story because understanding how she's doing it will be really helpful and provide insights for each of us and exactly how we can also get better at harmonizing these two key aspects of our personality. And her story, honestly, is really interesting. Have you heard it? Well, J.K. Rowling said right before the success of Harry Potter, she hit rock bottom. She'd recently gotten divorced. Her mother passed away. She was penniless. And all she could do was try to come up with any way she could to take care of her daughter. Listen to how she explained it on an episode of This Is Your Life. We were as skint as you can be without being homeless. In other words, we were existing entirely on benefits. And at that point, I was definitely clinically depressed. And that's just characterised for me by a numbness, a coldness, and an inability to believe that you will feel happy again or that you could feel light-hearted again. It's just all the colour drained out of life, really. But she realised that, you know, she had to do something about it, and she said she just, you know, dug in deep and knew she was going to have to push through, despite the fact that there was a lot she had to turn around. I'd had a short and really quite catastrophic marriage, and I'm left with this baby, and I've got to get this baby back to Britain, and I've got to rebuild us a life. And adrenaline kept me going through that, and it was only when I came to rest that it hit me <laughs> what a complete mess I had made of my life. And that hit me quite hard. So J.K. Rowling decided that she was, you know, going to turn everything around. And she spent a long time in solitude, just really taking time to herself so that she could tap into her best creativity. And that's how she ended up writing Harry Potter. Listen to this clip from This Is Your Life. They did this documentary on her. And in this clip, she's visiting the home that she lived in when she wrote the Harry Potter book. Did you write in here? Mm-hmm. This is really the room. Well, I finished Philosopher's Stone in here. This is really where I turned my life around. Completely. I mean, my, my life changed so much in this flat. 
I feel I really became myself here, in that everything was stripped away. I've made such a mess of things. But that was, all, that was freeing. So I just thought, well, I want to write. So I wrote the book. And, of course, J.K. Rowling is now a huge success. She's one of the only billionaire authors, and the Harry Potter series is one of the best-selling series in history. And we see J.K. Rowling doing interview after interview, and she's continually in the spotlight. And if you didn't know better... Just looking at her, you may think she's this extrovert, but the reality is, is that she is pushing herself to dial up her extrovert personality traits. She's absolutely hitting that sweet spot. And she has said that she doesn't even really like all of that hoopla and being in the spotlight, but she pushes herself and taps into the extrovert side of her personality. Listen to how J.K. Rowling explained it. What I find difficult is the kind of stagey midnight moment business. I'm not, because I'm not very good at it. I don't think that makes me a better person because I'm not good at it, I hasten to add, but I'm not good at it. I'm not a natural, ta-da, kind of person. I, I'm, I'm, I get all uptight about having to do that sort of stuff, and I feel like a prat. And as you've heard her explain, tapping into her extrovert personality traits doesn't come naturally, but she does it. And the reality is, is that we can all make certain, you know, that we are doing the same thing. And there are huge payoffs that we've been talking about this entire time that happen when you are able to really strike that sweep spot and you do the right things that are going to set you up to get all these creative ideas. And then of course, to share them with other people and get other people to engage and to like them and being social and likable, I mean, really matters. And I think there's so many ways that you can really push yourself and tap into this side of your personality, you know, whether it's going to an event and making certain you don't leave until you meet someone new or, you know, just talking to people that you wouldn't normally talk to. There are lots of things that you can do that really will help you dial up this extrovert side of your personality. And I think a good goal to set specifically to focus on tapping into the benefits of your extrovert personality is to make sure that every day for 30 days, you do at least one thing that you know qualifies as an extrovert skill. And guess what? By the end of those 30 days, your extrovert skills are going to be so much stronger and they're going to feel so much more natural that it'll be easier to just continually build on them and to strengthen them and most importantly, be able to tap into them when you need them. And when it comes to the other side of your personality, the introvert side, what you're going to want to do is make certain that you are creating the space in your day so that you can get you know, at least 30 minutes to an hour of alone time. And that may sound a little easier than it actually is because it's natural to always be around someone, whether it's, you know, someone that you work with, a coworker, somebody walking into your office, someone knocking on your cube, someone texting you, someone on the phone, or whether it's when you're at home with your family. A lot of times having that pure block of solitude time doesn't just happen naturally. So for these next 30 days, what you're going to want to do is also schedule a block of time where you know 
you can just get an hour of solitude. And we are going to talk about all of that after the break and how you can ensure you're doing the right things when it comes to making time and space for solitude. Welcome back. You're listening to The Possibility of Today on Web Talk Radio. And we've been talking all about this need to harmonize our personalities and make sure that we're balancing both the introvert and extrovert sides of our personality and really being able to say that we are hitting that sweet spot in being what social scientists have termed an ambivert. And again, as we've been talking about, there's two key personality traits, one from the extrovert side and the other from the introvert side. And we've been talking about the extrovert personality traits and the need to kind of really make certain that you are enjoying the people around you and socializing and even talking to people that you don't necessarily talk to regularly. Even people who think of themselves as extroverts are known to be extrovert with the same group of people. And so that's why you've got to always ensure, you know, that you're really working on those communication skills and really being social. And that means it's much larger than just the people you're accustomed to speaking to. And now we're going to talk about the second trait, which comes from the introvert side. And that's the solitude part that we were talking about and why it's so important. And as Susan Cain was explaining earlier, a lot of the most successful people that we see in the spotlight, you know, that are seemingly enjoying being around a lot of people, they actually know exactly how to tap into their introvert tendencies. And a lot of them actually feel more comfortable doing that. And the interesting thing is that there's all this research on how solitude and alone time and specifically creating that space for independent working time is crucial because even if we don't realize it, our thoughts and opinions are often influenced by the people around us. Listen to how Susan Cain explained it. And the reason for this is it turns out, you know, we're such social creatures, all of us, introverts included, we're such social creatures that we can't literally be around a group of people without being, without instinctively mimicking the opinions of the people in the group. Um, so even something as seemingly primal and personal and visceral as who you're attracted to, you will actually, if you're in a group of people who have declared so-and-so to be attractive, you will start finding so-and-so more attractive than you otherwise would have. Um, and, and this is just a you know, kind of fundamental tenet of human nature. And as Susan Cain explains in this next clip, in order to really be able to come up with your own best ideas that aren't being influenced by other people, you do have to go off in solitude. Listen to how she explains it. And so if you want to go and find out who, what you really think about things, you almost can't do it without secluding yourself to some degree. Haven't you noticed how sometimes it's really challenging to truly seclude yourself? Because it really means that you have to find time and space throughout the course of the day where it's really just you. And as we were talking about earlier, if you work in an office or, you know, just basically any other type of work environment, it's a regular occurrence for people to just drop by your office or stop by and chat. And you may have meetings like back to back meetings all the time. And even in schools, depending on the school, you know, a lot of times there's not all that much independent work time. 
Listen to how Susan Cain explained it. And kids are working in countless group assignments, even in subjects like math and creative writing, which you would think would depend on solo flights of thought. Kids are now expected to act as committee members. And for the kids who prefer to go off by themselves or just to work alone, those kids are seen as outliers often or worse as problem cases. Okay, same thing is true in our workplaces. We now, most of us, work in open plan offices without walls um, where we are subject to the constant noise and gaze of our coworkers. And I think that just really drives home the point, you know, that we do have to make certain that we have a daily routine that also includes time for solitude. We spoke about earlier this challenge of the next 30 days and making certain we're doing things that are in line with our extrovert personality traits and really tapping into those. And pretty much we're going to be provided with those opportunities to do that, you know, as we move through the day naturally, whether it's at work or whether it's eating lunch or, I mean, just there's so many other places where we're interacting with people. But what we also need to try to do for these next 30 days to challenge ourselves and really start strengthening the introvert side of our personalities is start scheduling a time where you know you're going to get that 30 minutes to an hour of alone time. And again, in order for this to really happen, you got to plan it. It needs to be a part of your day. I mean, maybe you're going to wake up in the morning and get it. If you have a family, you wake up before they wake up and just enjoy some time alone to tap into your solitude. Or maybe it's something that you're more able to do at the end of the day. I mean, it really doesn't matter as long as you do it and you're scheduling in the time to make certain that this happens. Susan Cain actually explained this exact point during that same speech she gave at TED. The first takeaway I'd like to share with you is just to give yourself more time for quiet, more time for solitude, more time to just get away, you know, to, to feel truly entitled to it um, instead of feeling like it's something that you need to feel guilty about. And I thought the point that Susan Cain made about, you know, not feeling guilty about this time is really important because a lot of times when we do have responsibilities and other things you know, that we continually need to take care of, we can feel that we're not supposed to have this solitude or this alone time, but we actually will be much better for it and much more productive and much more successful if we are creating that space in our day. So there's absolutely nothing to feel guilty about in terms of taking this time to yourself. And back to the J.K. Rowling story, because I know we were talking about how she pushes herself out of her comfort zone, you know, to really tap into the extrovert nature of her personality. But what she also does, and obviously makes a huge priority to do, is when it comes to creating her best ideas, she locks herself away in solitude and works very independently in the beginning. Listen to how she explained it again on that documentary. And this clip is actually from when she was locked away in her hotel room, putting the final touches on her book. Joe locks herself in the Balmoral Hotel Edinburgh to work on the crucial final chapters of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. It's January the 11th, 2007. Yeah, I think I've finished. Thank you, long time. Thank you. And listen to what J.K. Rowling shared during an interview about what she was working on and how she has once again 
return to solitude and what she calls her private world. So, Joe, what are you writing now? A story that I describe as a political fairy tale, and it's for, I think, slightly younger children, so that will probably be the next thing that I finish. I'm not in a mad hurry to publish. I would like to take my time. Why? Because I, I've lived with deadlines for ten years, and I'm currently able to luxuriate in the fact that no one's really expecting it, no one knows anything about it, so I feel as though I've gone right back to the beginning and where I was on Philosopher's Stone when it was my private world, and I'd really like to enjoy that sole possession for a while. And if you realize that you could use some more solitude in your life or some more me time, and you know are really looking for even more ways to do that, I in addition to the suggestion to really schedule solitude as a part of your day, I actually have something else that I've come across because I'm continually, as you know, on the lookout for great products and programs and whatever else that's going to really help us improve and move in the right direction and, of course, live today better than yesterday. And you may have actually heard of this place. It's called the Omega Institute for Holistic Studies. If you haven't, it's renowned, and it's one of the largest institutes in the nation, and it really focuses on providing people with the education and the tools and everything that they need to really live and experience life continually in the best way possible. And if you haven't come across the Omega Institute before, I think it's something you're going to really want to check out. I actually was able to interview Skip Backus, who is a CEO of the Omega Institute. And for the last 20 years, he's had a leadership role at Omega and has really helped them lay the foundation for a lot of their initiatives. And Skip shared so much information about Omega and honestly, just general information about how we can ensure we're doing those things that really are going to allow us to continually move in the right direction and really experience life in the way that it's meant to be experienced. So I wanted you to listen to excerpts from this interview. Listen to what Skip shared. Our mission is to make certain we're always living today better than yesterday and just doing those things and discovering new ways that are going to help us continually grow and move forward in life. And I know that the Omega Institute for Holistic Studies offers so many great programs that really support various avenues of personal development and growth. And I was hoping that you could just kind of talk to us about the Omega Institute for Holistic Studies for people who may not have come across you guys before. Sure. Well, Omega Institute is a uh, nonprofit holistic education organization located in Rhinebeck, New York. And we offer programs, trainings, and retreats across the mind-body-spirit spectrum everything from yoga to mindfulness, meditation, uh, with faculty Deepak Chopra, Carolyn Meese. Uh, but our primary mission is the development of consciousness. How do we all become lifelong learners where we're improving not only our own state of being, but how that state of being influences the greater state of being, both between us and other individuals and us and nature. The next thing I asked Gip had to do with what we've been talking about in terms of unplugging and making sure that, you know, we're creating that space in our day to integrate solitude into our routines. Listen to what he shared about that. It's really interesting as well. 
for me, what was really attractive when I was reading about some of your offerings is I know that a lot of us have a tendency to kind of live on this quote unquote human hamster wheel, you know, and we're leading all of these busy lives and just trying to handle all of our responsibilities. And we've been discussing just the need to like unplug and to take time to yourself. And I know the Institute also offers these holistic study retreats, like the rest and rejuvenation retreats. And they looked like the ideal way to unplug. So I was hoping that you could maybe speak about some of those retreats and the benefits that you guys have seen from people who have really been able to, you know, take the time to attend those retreats. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I was just talking with our programming team here this morning about going back maybe oh, 15, 20 years. The promise of the computer age was how much it was going to simplify our lives and give <laughs> all this great time. And in reality, uh, we're finding ourselves trying to operate at the pace of, uh, you know, a, a computer system that is just, it's not, it's not a human way to actually uh, manage our lives. So the R&R program actually is an antidote to that. And people come, and again, it's in whatever format, it's a little looser than the, than the two-day, five-day format. You can come for any combination of days. And what it opens up to is people can come without the restrictions of a program, so they get much closer to the natural environment. Omega is uh, over 200 acres of uh, woods with a lake and very very uh, wonderful natural environment. So you get to reconnect with nature. You get to slow down. And it's, it's also about community experience because you're with a group of people that are in a place of understanding what, how to, what R&R is about and how to actually start to look at how do I create this time and space in my life and how can I learn how to manage that when I'm not at Omega. So what I learn here has to be transferable to my everyday life as well. So you, the possibility of learning how to create space in your everyday life is one of the key things that, that happens here for people in R&R. Also, I've seen, too, where people come with their husband or a friend and they'll actually be talking with, it, with each other for extended periods of time because they're in an environment where they're not being bombarded with the constant stimulus that we're all dealing with now between our cell phones and the web and everything else. So it really is an opportunity to disconnect, reevaluate, and prioritize how you want to live your life. And then I asked Skip about really harmonizing the two aspects of our personality Listen to what Skip shared about this. It's really helpful information. Just really intrigued because I was actually doing some reading and there have been all these studies about this personality type that's called the ambivert personality type. And essentially it is this hybrid personality where it's half introvert, half extrovert. And what a lot of people haven't realized is that essentially a lot of us have both of these tendencies within us. Like the the drive to have human interaction and to be social and of course to have really profound relationships and experience the beauty of that and the other drive which is really to make certain that you create that space that you were just mentioning and and have solitude because a lot of times that's where we can do kind of our best connection to our ideas our thoughts our insights but unless you're creating that space 
and that solitude on an everyday basis, a lot of times you're not really able to kind of tap into all of the benefits that come from that solitude. And that's what you said, which was so intriguing to me because it's easy a lot of times to create these ideal environments when we're at these retreats or when we have really been able to kind of quote unquote unplug from our lives. But what specifically it seems that you're suggesting that we can know what we're going to walk away with are the tools to then integrate that into our daily routine. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, I mean, I get asked this a lot. One of the things that I'll say is the most important is that you have a practice. Somehow in, in, in each person's life, you must find a way to stay in touch and stay in touch with yourself and stay in touch with the, for lack of a better word, spirit or the greater energetic. That basically is the foundation from which can come your creativity and an alignment in the decisions that you make every day. So to develop a practice that can be foundational in your life, whatever it is, yoga, meditation, reading, walking, there's a whole collection of things that you can choose from. It becomes the the primary uh, foundational function of life. And a lot of times we're all so busy, we bypass that. And I don't have time to do that. I'm going on to the next thing and I have no choice. I have to go on to the next thing. And what happens is we're not as present. Our decisions and our process in that next encounter are not as clear. And we sacrifice the, the depth and joy and interaction that we otherwise would have, the perspective, the ability to fully show up because we're spinning and we haven't stopped ourselves. And a lot of times, you know, we'll, we'll teach meditation to people and they can barely sit still anymore. I mean, we've become so, you know, such a, a species that is functioning on hyper overdrive that the idea of actually that you can sit still and meditate and that there actually is a place to go to within our own being that is calm, quiet, informative, creative, and foundational to living is amazing. And then I asked Skip to share just any other insights or things he had noticed about some common issues or topics or challenges that people are facing right now. Have you noticed any kind of consistent challenges that people seem to be experiencing or that are like foremost in their lives right now because of this technology and the hamster wheel and just kind of always running? And, you know, have you noticed something that it seems that a lot of people are trying to manage through right now? Well, I I think the main thing is no one has any time. You know, it used to be, you know, you could choose what you wanted to do by can you financially afford and not that that's not still important, but now it's more, do I have the time to do this? And so the relationship to time has changed and that's created a stress, a pressure and a sense of feeling overwhelmed, which then manifests itself in the body as fatigue and a sense of malaise and disconnection. So what I see happening a lot is people showing up literally starving for connection and and a connection that's not a complicated connection connection that's as simple as when you were a kid and you used to go sit under a tree you know i mean mm-hmm. just very 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 simple and um and i would say you know the the stress level that uh, is happening 
um, I think is a root of many, many problems. That, you know, health and what we see happening in the environment, it's all connected. There's no separation between what's happening uh, with people economically and socially. Then uh, it's all interwoven. And, and I'm seeing just a general sense of, of overload. You know, it's like we're, it's too much. And, and yet it's not that what we're trying to do is too much. It's how we're trying to do it. There's this great quote, I think, I, can't, I think it's by like Lorna Horne, and it's like, it's not the load that you carry that breaks you, it's the way you carry it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really interesting, right? Now, have you ever gone to anything like this or even considered it? I actually have made it a point now to integrate these type of programs and workshops into my life. And honestly, everyone I know that has ever attended one of them has always said that they've had this lasting and profound impact. And I absolutely have had the same experience. But I'll be honest, in the beginning, I had to kind of push myself because I was living a busy life. I had a full-time job. I had children. I had responsibilities. And I felt like I already had too much to do. And I just thought that going to something like this it just kind of was like the fear of the unknown. But one day I'm just like, you know what, I'm, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And I signed up and I went and it was an amazing experience. And that's why I'm continually doing these programs and these workshops every couple of months. And anyway, I say all of that to say that if you're leery at all about going, I can promise you that it'll be so worth it. And I asked Skip to talk about this and listen to what he shared because the information was really helpful. I think, too, what I've noticed is a lot of times the big hump, if you will, to get over is going for your first time. And could you speak a little bit on, you know, maybe people that you've seen that were reluctant to come to the Institute, but then they pushed themselves and they came and obviously just had amazing benefits just so that for people who may be considering this for the first time, you know, how do you get kind of more comfortable with doing something that you just don't necessarily traditionally do? Yeah. Well, that's one of the beauties about the R&R program. Uh, and instead of coming and, you know, jumping right into an intensive program with Carolyn Mace or Deepak or one of the other teachers, you basically come in R&R and, it, and it's like you can set your own pace in it. You don't have to dive into the deep end of the pool right away. You know, you can sort of go into the wading section and gradually work your way into the deeper water. But I watch a lot of times our demographic is, you know, probably two-thirds women. So sometimes, you know, husbands and, and uh, significant others get uh, dragged along. And I'll watch the men, you know, be like, oh, you know, what is this place, you know, and so forth. And yet, They'll go down the court, they'll play some basketball, they'll do whatever, and at the end of the time, they're the ones sitting under the tree. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's really interesting to just watch the dynamics. But I would say, clearly, if if it's a, a, if it feels like a real stretch, come in at, on an R and R program, and you can experience the place and 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 not feel committed to a particular program content. The next level would be to pick something that's of specific interest that you are familiar with and or a faculty that you've read that you particularly like um, because the faculty are all very accessible here. So um, it's easy to come into content that you're familiar with. And then consider coming with somebody, um, and, you know, a friend or whatever, and uh, that always makes it easier. 
so if it's not something that you've done, you got to try it, right? And if it is something that you continually do, really take a look at the Omega Institute and some workshops and programs there because I think you're going to really enjoy them. And if you do go to any of these, let me know. Maybe I can meet you there or something. But the last thing I actually wanted to tell you about was this really interesting program at the Omega Institute. It's called Where We Go From Here, and it's happening on October the 4th. And you can actually go and attend this program, which has this huge lineup of amazing speakers, or you can even watch it free from your home. So it's a great way to be introduced to Omega Institute if you haven't heard of them, or it's really just a great program to check out. Listen to what Skip shared about this upcoming event. Actually came across another upcoming conference that you're offering. This one's called Where We Go From Here. And I was just really excited just about the information in the conference and it's focusing on this truth that everything really is connected and we exist in this one big web of life, as you know. And I was just hoping that maybe you could speak a little bit about the conference and all the extraordinary speakers that are going to be a part of that. Yeah, it's uh, October 4 to 6, um, and uh, you can participate in the conference either here on campus or we will be live streaming it uh, for free. Uh, you can connect with both of those at eomega.org. And um, we start off with a Friday night keynote from former President Bill Clinton and uh, follow that with uh, what I consider to be probably the best lineup of uh, creative leaders in um, really weaving a bridge between the economy, uh, the social construct, and the environmental issues that we're facing. Everyone from Jeremy Rifkin with the uh, economy, uh, David Orr from Oberlin College and Built Environment, Paul Hawken, uh, his book Blessed Unrest, I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, uh, Majora Carter from Sustainable South Bronx, and uh, Janine Benyus, Biomimicry, The Wisdom of Nature, uh, Bob Berkebile, uh, BNIM Architecture um, out of Kansas City, and then we have an evening performance by Peter Buffett. Um, so it's, it's really a conference about whole systems thinking, how to understand the opportunities that we have in front of us to be able to deal with some of the most complicated issues that we're facing, and how to be able to hold a perspective that this is a long-term challenge that we're facing, and we can all participate in a step-by-step way in our own lives, building the future. So thanks so much to Skip Backus and the Omega Institute for Holistic Studies for sharing all that great information. And I really recommend that at the very least you drop by and check out their website and really take a look at some of the programs that they're offering. You can find information on the Institute at www.eomega.org. And I also have included that link to their homepage on the show notes for this show. And as Skip was saying, you know, it's really about finding that routine and the the ways that you can integrate these good practices into your day every single day. You know, and that's what we're always talking about here is the need to really ensure that we're doing things that continually allow us to live today better than yesterday. Because it's not something that's just going to happen automatically. But if you structure your day and you're committed to it, then it's much easier to make certain that you're continually making progress and you're tapping to all your talents and your abilities and 
really driving towards that success that you're looking for. And actually that brings to mind this great quote that I came across by J.K. Rowling when I was reading her story. And it was from that same documentary. And she answered a lot of questions about her desires and her dreams. Listen to what J.K. Rowling shared. When were you happiest? Um, hospital um, for the birth of each of my children and Venice last year with Neil. What's your biggest regret? That I didn't keep my mother on the telephone longer the last time I spoke to her. What do you still want to achieve? I want to get better. Do you ever feel a fraud? Less as I get older, but I have done. What keeps you going? I'm a born trier. Why do you still write? Because I love it and I need it. How would you like to be remembered? As someone who did the best she could with the talent she had. And I just love that clip and specifically how she shared, you know, that one of the things that's really important to her is that, you know, she is doing the best that she possibly can with all of the talent she has. And I think that's something that we can all identify with, right? That resonates with all of us because we all want to really tap into our personality in the best way and express it creatively and successfully in all the ways that it's meant to be expressed. And I think a very important step in being able to do that is harmonizing these two key aspects of our personality that we've been talking about, the introvert and the extrovert side, like really making certain that you are balancing that out and falling on the right part of the spectrum so that you are able to choose, as Susan Cain was saying, the best personality traits to tap into so you can have the best of both worlds. And as we've been talking about as well, it really means, you know, being thoughtful and intentional about how we're going through the day. And in terms of the extrovert part of our personality, really ensuring for 30 days that we're focusing on strengthening it by talking to people that we normally may not speak to, or by doing things and being more social and just perhaps pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone. And in terms of the introvert side of our personality, it's really about signing up every day to create time and space, you know, at least 30 minutes or an hour for solitude and really know that that's very important time for you to have and to make certain that you're really thinking through and trying to come up with creative and big ideas and creating the space for that to happen. And that's the possibility that we have today is to really get committed and serious about doing this. And we know that the payoffs are huge. We're seeing that this is the ideal personality formula that a lot of successful people are following. We've seen the data from Forbes that's showing how important likability is to your success. And we know from what we heard from Susan Cain that solitude really does create that space to ensure that you are coming up with those big ideas that are within you and all of that creativity. So today is the day to start, you know, moving through your day differently if this isn't the way that you are already moving through it. And that is also the show for the day. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. I actually am going to be traveling next week because I am almost done with my book. Please, please, please let me almost be done. 
but I'll make sure I get together a prior show for you to listen to. So enjoy the day, enjoy your week, and of course, live today better than yesterday. We'll catch up next time. To learn more about making a change in your life, visit possibilityoftoday.com. Don't forget to like Sybil's Facebook page by clicking the Facebook icon on her Web Talk Radio profile page. You can also follow her on Twitter using the handle at Sybil Chavis. Thanks for listening this week. And remember to be entertained, be inspired, be informed. 